Yo, 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 what up, y'all? You are listening to a brand new episode of the world famous Behind the Baller podcast coming to you live and direct from Tokyo, Japan. Yes, I am still here. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. The Wash Lord, a.k.a. The Korean Liam Neeson, a.k.a. Odesu. That would be old boy. This show is brought to you in full high-definition stereo sound produced by none other than the podcast producers of the year, the Dust Brothers, that's Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, with original music from Lakey Lake. That would be Lakey-inspired. Guys, man, episode 319. Let's get fucking right into it. So I could fuck around and stay here for another week. If my kids were here, my wife was here, forget about it. This is a very kid-friendly city. Unfortunately, my children have never been here before. My wife has. And uh, I'm I'm just having a fucking blast out here, guys. If I didn't have some shit that I had to deal with that's just fucking annoying as fuck, I would have stayed. Golf here is amazing. Shopping here is amazing. I already told you the exchange rate is crazy. Not that that matters, but... If you're looking for a good movie to watch, it's a movie that came out in 2004, directed by Sofia Coppola. And she's directed a few movies that I love. They just hit home. It's something about, I just love Sofia. Like I actually has, used to have a crush on her when I was a kid. Super fucking Silver Lake, you know, type hipster shit, but like OG hipster level, intelligentsia coffee type shit. She directed a movie called Lost in Translation in 2004. And um, it was a, not a parody, what would you say? It's like a low-key rendition of her life with Spike Jones, who she, she used to be married to, and who's also a very, very super talented director. Obviously, Sofia Coppola comes from royal film family. Her dad is Francis Ford Coppola of The Godfather, and um, who's based out of San Francisco. You already know one of my favorite cities. And the movie is based in Japan. It is based at the Park Hyatt Hotel, which is the hotel that I pretty much always stay at in Tokyo. And it is classic. It is amazing. Uh, I don't even know if I fucking said it because my brain is so fogged up right now. But uh, I'm staying at the Grand Hyatt right now in Roppongi. I love the location here better. And I like the amenities here a little better. But the view there is insane. Yo, New York bar or bar New York is just fucking ridiculous. On the 50th floor, the service again is just insane. But you know, I'm always going to be the hypocritical, hopeless romantic. And the show is obviously based upon, um, the movies are based upon Bill Murray. And one thing I always forget and didn't know about Bill Murray is that he is a fucking amazing golfer. And this movie is 18 fucking years old. And there's a really small clip of him. It might be fucking 20 seconds where he's like on a crazy simulator or actually might be on a course, and his swing is so fucking buttery. It is on some Ernie L shit. It is just crazy. But if you haven't seen that movie, you don't understand. I think you'd have to be at least 25 to watch that movie. It just was a whole different level of why, like, and again, this was, Tokyo is so different from then and now. And this is when Scarlett Johansson, this is like one of her first movies. Not when she was a kid. As an adult, this was her breakout film. Now, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, her and Marvel and all the bullshit she's done, but I mean, this is like, this movie is just, man, it just, it gives me the feels every time I watch it. So, you know, this movie fucking hits 
different, especially me being here right now, is just definitely watch Lost in Translation if you can. I own it. I've watched it a hundred times. I watched it a little bit when I was trying to catch a nap out here and I'm just like, man, this movie's so fucking good. And it's so film artistic, not film noir, really just film artistic. It just captured Tokyo in the essence so dope. And, um, you know, I was getting to thinking about how a lot of times when people get in trouble, they, you know, want someone to apologize. And I don't know if it's just some ego shit or if it's like, you know, you want someone to make a public apology, like even like me being banned from Levi Stadium, the home of the 49ers, right? Like, I'm not going to make the apology. And, and why would that, after everything I did, those words are going to like do something? And I was thinking about it. And it's like, look, sorry goes a long way with most people. I think a good majority of people, sorry goes a long way. That shit just don't move me, man. It just don't. Like, sorry goes a long way with my wife. And um, I was about to say something that fucking got me in trouble. But, you know, she's just not really the type of person to say sorry, which is crazy. Goes a long way with her. And so when she's really sorry, I guess, cool. But she hasn't really, you know, I mean, she's a woman. You know, women are never going to, wives are never going to forget anything. It's, it's embedded in their bank. They'll remember everything. You can show them proof of something that they were wrong on and they just won't, you know, but it's just a different thing. Anyways, I just wanted to get into that real quick because we talk about mindset a lot. And there is, you know, a time where, there's people who are sorry. They don't need to say it. You can feel the energy and it's just don't do a lot for me. Now, I hate to even talk about Kanye anymore, but I have to address the anti-Semitic shit. People are like, he's being real, he's being this. Look, whether he's being real about the situation, you could talk about one person. I understand where, where certain perspectives come from, but the real, actual anti-Semitic hate spewing he's doing and now with like having Farrakhan in his ear and all that type of shit I'm not going to get into the whole Palestinian versus the Jews and all that stuff and, and Israel it's no need to I'm just telling y'all he's gaining an entire new audience of people who just hate and people who hate I'm talking about like haters because you do good I'm talking about a different level of hate I'm talking about hate for the religion race your creed your background, whatever, that type of shit is where it becomes some scary KKK shit. And of course, because I have Jewish members in my family, you know, I've always showed love and have love, whatever. And I understand the way to do business. And it's just like Koreans stick together, Jewish people stick together. But again, this is a battle. He is just not going to win. I'm sorry to say this. He just, it's really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I always thought the bipolar shit was kind of, you know, I mean, I knew he was fucked up in the head, but I didn't know he was taking meds. And when I talk to some people, you know, I'm like, oh shit, you know, he's he's off his meds. And you know, they say it as a joke, but it's like real talk. So talking about some positive shit, linked up with Cuddy. You know, he's heavy duty skateboard fucking guy now. And my boy Ivan is here, um, which is, is ironic because I was just talking about, yay. But uh, Ivan is here. It's good to see the whole crew, Dennis, the whole Cuddy fam, Bita, um, Medina, the whole crew. And it was good to see him. I feel bad because, you know, I came out here originally because Cuddy had helped me get my visa. But, you know, um, I had so much other business I had to tend to. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Cuddy had his first show. And I didn't even know until that night because he'd been coming out here for so long too. You know, he had his first show at Toyosu Pit or Toyosu Pit. And it holds about 2,800 people. 
and he sold that fucking place out. Now, I'm not going to name names, but there's people with 10, 15 million followers that can't sell that place out. People don't understand how difficult it is to sell out an arena in a different country, especially Asia, where K-pop rules all through Asia. And their countries have different views of things like Rihanna could, you know, Beyonce could, I'm sure. But like Kanye, as big as he was, let's just say before all the crazy antics and everything, Kanye couldn't sell at the Olympic Arena in Korea, in Seoul. Couldn't do it. And he, you know, he's, it's fucking 10,000 people. It ain't shit. When I had Bieber there, I brought Bieber to Korea for the first time. He couldn't sell at the Olympic Arena during the height of his fucking career. And I'm talking at the apex. He couldn't sell out 10,000 tickets. And he had to bring G-Dragon in just to even help. And it's just a different type of vibe out in Asian stuff, right? So I was super proud to see Cuddy sell out the fucking Toyosu pit. It was just fucking amazing to see. But not only was the positive energy so infectious and just the whole vibe in there positive, it was fucking awesome. You know, his rider was lit. I'd never seen 1942 in Japan in my life, even at the clubs. They had 1942 popping. They had this clear Class Azul, which is the Blanco, which I love. They had that. They had the fucking taco-flavored Doritos. They had the fucking barbecue Cheetos. It was lit. They had all kinds of shit. They had ramen for us and everything. You know, had the all-access pass. I was walking around. I got to see some homies. I got to see my boy Jeski, who I'm fucking super fan with. My homie Yoon from Ambush. Uh, I met Verdi for the first time. He's like the new hottest like designer out here. Uh, my boy Pokey the man. It was just a fucking amazing time, dude. It was literally fucking amazing. And by the way, I went to go visit the Amon Tokyo. Never stayed there before. And I know it's the most lit place. But when I went there, there's literally probably not a bad hotel room in there. And it is like, you know, they easily got rooms for 20 bands a night in there. It's fucking no joke. In fact, let me just say this. The Amon Tokyo is 100% the nicest hotel in all of Asia. It could be the nicest fucking hotel. And that's saying a lot because there's some hotels in China that are fucking nuts with the view and like, you know, 80 story fucking four seasons with the fucking lobby on the top floor. Like it's just absolutely fucking breathtaking, beautiful. But yeah, the Cuddy show was just so fucking good. And uh, I noticed he took some songs out for obvious reasons. I'm not going to sit there, whatever. But, you know, he just had the place rocking. I remember in Japan, Japanese crowds don't necessarily jump up and down. It's a different type of thing. He had like a whole array of different people in there. It wasn't just all Japanese people. They might've been Japanese citizens, but they were like, there was white, black. There was, you know, just Arabs. There, there was all kinds of different type of people in there and they were rocking. He had that place fucking pumping. And it was a great set. It was lit. They had an after party at One Oak and One Oak is only like a fucking block from my hotel. So I already knew I wasn't hanging out because I got invited to play this pro-am for the Zozo Championship. And I was like, fuck that, I slid out. And I had to hear about it. I know like, you know, it's all good. Listen, that's my boy, that's my dog. I have a different respect for Cud. That's my friend in real life. That's my boy. And um, I just, man, this golf shit was like a once in a lifetime experience. And I had to do so much shit in so little time that I was out here. So, man, it was just, it was definitely a dope experience. And uh, this is definitely my best trip here ever to Tokyo. And what's crazy is, um, you know, uh, Cuddy went to curry up, you know what I'm saying? And, and like, I'm like, bro, we can't eat this every single fucking day. But, you know, it's Nigo owned and a lot of people fuck with Nigo. Nigo's like the general here for real. And uh, the human made store is super small. 
and went and checked that out. He had bought the whole fucking store, it seemed like. And uh, it was just, again, the shopping here is just fucking absolutely insane. And it always will be. And, and even if you don't want to buy shit, like I love knickknack. I love trinkets. I love all that type of shit. And in fact, earlier today, I uh, went to get something for my wife at Chanel. And again, again, I'm going to talk about the exchange rate is absolutely crazy. But I went to the Hello Kitty store because Kaya's like, I want Hello Kitty something, you know, and she's um, got her Hello Kitty pillow, Hello Kitty blanket, got a little purse, like a tiny little purse. And like, um, you know, I'm going through there and it's just like, you walk through Shibuya and you're just like, God damn, you walk through Harajuku and you're just like, you could just spend money on so much different shit. Like even drinks, it's like, I have so much Bacardi sweat, I can't bring this shit back. I don't know why the fuck I even brought all this shit. They're just so much shit to do here that I can't even like, <laughs> I literally cannot tell you guys like I want to fucking find a place here. And I said that last episode, but God damn, it's just amazing. Um, shout out to my boy, Bape from Dave. He is a loyal BTB army um, listener. He is a good dude. Brought some gifts for me. I brought some gifts for him. And, um, you know, he moved out here from Texas seven years ago my man got married to a Japanese woman here, has a kid with her and, you know, he's living out here and it's just like, he's, I can't imagine that dude ever coming back, but he's thought about it here and there. But like, you know, the economy has done some shit to people out here, especially the younger generation of people, you know, they, they're starting to get a little more entitled. Um, you're starting to see a lot more depression out here. And there's a lot, if you see like a salary man, salary man is a term for a guy who works a regular nine to five. They're wearing suits. When you usually see them walking around Shibuya, you'll see them falling asleep in a cafe. You'll see them fall asleep on the subway. And it's like, it's wild. These dudes literally work, you know, they got to get up, help their kids get ready, boom, go to work, take the train, then go work for however long they do. And then they're just so fucking exhausted. They don't work nine to fives, do they? They work like 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. And they're fucking exhausted. And they'll go get drunk, you know, probably slightly depressed and they're using the bottle and then go home, go to sleep and repeat. And it's just like, it's, kind of depressing, you know, but, uh, yo guys, listen, man, before we get into this commercial break, uh, I forgot to say, and I need to say that my first official eyewear collaboration with James Oro, a Los Angeles based brand drops today at 5 PM Pacific time. There is a black and silver pair, which I love. And then there's a clear and gold pair. There is extreme detail on these glasses. They were made with the utmost A1 quality. They dropped today at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on the network app, $195. It is a steal. Guys, listen. There's originally 250 pairs of each color. There are now around 175 pairs of each color because... I did a pre-sale with my super followers. It was an exclusive. I'm going to be doing this for some of the events so that you guys don't take the L. So if you want to join that super follower Twitter situation, just go to my Twitter and you can super follow me for a very, very low amount. I set it at that price because, you know, it was just like really not a big thing. So, you know, do not forget 5 p.m. today, the Bosch sunglasses named after my favorite TV show drops and I got more coming from James Oro, but these glasses are fucking fire. Uh, some super followers already got their glasses. They are going to sell out in less than a minute, literally. So if you're listening to this, set an alarm on your phone, go to the network app, set an alarm for 4.58 PM 
specific time and uh they're gonna drop and you know you hear that lakey lake in the background so you know what time it is so uh yeah let's jump into the show i mean let's jump into these commercials my bad yo and miles man you on point with that music we'll be right back guys what's the first thing you do when you wake up is it checking up on your credit score didn't think so at chime that's exactly what they do with their secure chime credit builder visa credit card you can start to build your credit with your own money chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build credit over time their members see an increase of 30 points on average all of this with no annual fees large security deposits or credit checks to apply so start your credit journey with chime Sign up takes only two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com slash baller. That's C-H-I-M-E dot com slash baller. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank N.A. pursuant to a license from Visa USA. Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Being a parent can be scary checking for monsters under your kid's bed, reaching inside their pants pockets, the indescribable pain of stepping on Legos in your bare feet. One thing that doesn't have to be scary is getting life insurance. Fabric's newer low prices mean significant savings over other providers with great quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years. With over 1,600 five-star reviews on Trustpilot.com, you can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality policy that is perfect for your family. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. Fabric was specifically designed to give parents like you affordable term life insurance plus wills, access to college savings funds, and more tools to help protect your family's financial future. All in an easy online experience. That's meetfabric.com slash baller. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash baller. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash baller. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time you did the same too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, 
anywhere. Bet on the NFL, MLB playoffs, or play a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is right now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie, use promo code BENBALLER, and claim your deposit match of any amount up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code BENBALLER to claim your bonus. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Yeah, man, we are back. I went up and met with Murakami and uh, this was the first time we hung out for like a long time. We hung out at Compass Con and I've hung out with this man 20 times. Uh, I went to his Nakano office and like the little, his little boutique there and stuff before. I've been to his studio. But this was the first time I went to his headquarters. Now, Murakami wears like, you know, crazy clothing here and there. He's very fashionable. And his stylist, Cherry, is always hip to like the dopest shit, like whether it be Rick Owens, Cromart shit, whatever, boom. He's always very, very, very in tune with fashion. And he always has a photographer with him, this guy, RK, who's fucking amazing. Dude looks like a samurai. He's the most lit photographer. Some of the best pictures of my life have been taken by this man. He's Murakami's personal photographer. But I went to Murakami's headquarter where he has a gallery there. And um, for the most part, you know, dude has a really nice like sprinter type van. And, uh, you know, I don't know what his house looks like, whatever, which is cool. But there's a lot of things that I found out about him after this very long meeting and dinner. And we discussed this collaboration that we're going to do. And we have a tour next year. Uh, it might be three cities. It might be five cities. But the last time we did an official collaboration to the public, it was sold out. Now, mind you, these are $50,000 pieces each. And we did three colorways, but we did a one of three in an alternate rainbow. We did a one of three of all black with some different accents. And then we did a one-on-one, all white on white VVS diamonds. And the white on white piece was 100,000 and that sold the same day. Now, you know, to have that kind of money sitting around is just fucking mind blowing and I didn't know what to expect, but it sold out. And we're gonna do another regular size piece. It'll probably be somewhere around that price, 50K. And then we're gonna do smaller pieces for 25K each, maybe 10, maybe a dozen. And then we're gonna do a big, 101 for probably a quarter million. I don't know if this, you know, pertains to the audience and, and if you guys can relate, but yeah, it was something that we had talked about in another special collaboration. And we talked about a bunch of shit from life to kids. And he's like, yo, your whole shit is golf. Now your whole life is golf. Like you're just golf. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's crazy, you know, but walking into the office fucking humbled me. Now, when you walk in a cause studio, it's also very humbling experience. And, um, it's amazing and cause is very successful. And you know, most artists are starving. And he came from a starving background, you know, he came from a very humble background, but walking into this place, I was like, wow. And mind you, I showed a couple of little things on my story, but I didn't show the whole things like the conference rooms and this, and that. He built a fucking main office area and had a traditional old school, like maybe from the 70s, 80s, of his favorite barbershop, his favorite dumpling place, another restaurant. He had like three, it looked like you were walking into a fucking kabuki theater. It was crazy. And he had like old school shit. He had a drawing area. Then he had a studio where he does his painting and everything. Then he had a gallery where there was like a gallery show. And it was just fucking insane. Like it was such a flex 
that he fucked my whole shit up. Like I was floored. My mouth was, I was just couldn't even, I started getting hot. And it's kind of like a 66 out here. At nighttime, it's even colder. And I was wearing a jacket. I was like, yo, I was so blown away. And he gave me a bunch of clothes and merch from Kai Kai Kiki. And uh, he gave my kids these little NFT toys, the flowers. He gave me a fucking Hibiki 21, which has to be at least a $3,000 bottle of fucking Japanese whiskey. And then we went to this private Michelin star restaurant that was in Japanese. I couldn't read what the fuck it was. There was like some seating. There was private doors everywhere that opened up. By the way, the gate to Murakami's office was the, it looked like a fucking, like a, a hazard, like some weird fucking thing. And it just, it like, it was like a slinky and it opened up. I'm sorry to go back. It was just mind blowing. So this restaurant looked like it was a residence. And um, there was a room where you could have like, you know, the omakase, like sushi towel, whatever. And then there was like another small room where you could have like a couple things. And then there was a private room to seat 10. And it was like one, two, three, four, five. There was six or seven of us. And we sat down and had a legit Michelin 20 course meal. I had the best fucking dinner I have ever had in the 26 years I've been coming here. The best hands down meal in 39 visits. I've never had a meal this fucking amazing. It was insane. He's like, you like Toro? Okay, cool. Toro, unagi, fucking sashimi, uh, mackerel, fried blowfish, tempura, karage, tempura, fucking fish. It was the most insane meal. This fucking uni and salmon roll bowl with rice was the best thing I've ever tasted in my entire life. And that small bowl alone was probably 300, 400 fucking dollars, maybe more than that. And each one of us had, it. and he brought this superior bottle of, of sake. I don't even drink sake. It was fucking delicious. He said, this is so, so pure, most, so like, I forgot what he's the word, but it was like basically the most important bottle of sake. And he didn't trip. He's like, you know, hungry, whatever. And I, I was hungry. We had A5 Wagyu. We had another prime ribeye that was just fucking, it was better than the Yakiniku place I went to the other day. It was just literally the most amazing meal I've ever had. I'm trying to think of what else there was. There was this fucking honeycomb thing with cream cheese. There was so much food. There was fruit, the fucking monk grapes, and fucking things are the size of a golf ball. They're the size of like ping pong balls. Fucking huge. Everything was fucking good. The soup, there was just, it kept coming. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? There was um, this other fried chicken thing. And then there was all this sashimi. Then there was, again, there was mackerel. There was um, hamachi, yellowtail. There was, you know, it was just insane. And he's, the seafood he was bringing out was crazy. He's like, yo, this is from the south side of Japan. And um, we're closer to like uh, fucking Busan, Korea. It was insanely delicious. And I just have to, again, thank Murakami for having me out. And I'm just so excited to fucking do this business. And it was just great because it was the first time we actually had dinner, a sit down, not like having like some fucking, you know, some fast food and whatever. But speaking of food, I realized in about 15 or 10, not about 15 years, I have not had McDonald's out here. And I remember first coming out here way, way back in the day, going to McDonald's and having fucking wasabi flavor, you know, sauce for the chicken nuggets and all that stuff. But I ordered three things 
that I've never fucking seen before in my entire life. And you know, I got you guys, I know I love McDonald's. I love the really nice shit, but McDonald's just it's a nostalgic thing, right? Something about the way the Big Mac tastes and I was a little kid, it's just, I just, you know, and I know it's bad for you, but yo, I got this thing called the Idaho Burger and it's got this hash brown patty that has like, it's like hash brown, but you can see like the French fries in it. It's got grilled onions. It's got bacon. It's got a beef patty and it has like some kind of mustard. I hate mustard. It's got like this mustard sauce. It was fucking delectable. It was crazy because it was like just a different thing you never, ever think. And it wasn't that big. You know, French fries here are just a different level good. I mean, they must fucking dip them in fucking tempura oil. Speaking of tempura, I got this chicken tempura sandwich. That was fire. So fucking good. And then I got a teriyaki burger. That was just incredible. There was this shrimp sandwich they had there that uh, I didn't get, but I'm so fucking excited. I hit McDonald's. It's right next to my hotel at the Grand Hyatt. And by the way, I'm gonna tell you again, the Grand Hyatt Tokyo is just, it's a five-star hotel. It has the most amazing fucking restaurants inside. It's connected to Rapongi Hills Mall, which has, again, S Nation, Balenciaga, Beams, United Arrows, fucking Adidas, a Prada store, fucking golf store, just everything you think of, toy store, Lego, fucking there's a doggy spa where you can spend 400 bucks and get a fucking crazy ass haircut. They get like fucking servant massage and shit. Then there's a doggy cafe. There's all this food. One of my favorite breakfast places in Tokyo is this place called Excellent. Like Excellent, obviously, but E-G-G, Excellent. And their egg sandwich is like fucking, to me, better than fucking Excellent. And Excellent is goddamn good. But I'm getting hungry just thinking about this shit. I can't wait for dinner. But yeah, it was fucking amazing. And uh, there's uh, just like a tea place here. Obviously, there's coffee places everywhere. You know, Koreans, Japanese people are so serious about coffee. I think people around the world are, but it's just a different take on coffee here. The Starbucks is different. But now to the crazy part. The meal was definitely, was just unexpected. But the craziest shit, I know I talked about the Zozo Championship and all that stuff and everything. But I played an after-tournament PGA Pro-Am yesterday i got to play the fucking zozo championship after pro-am tournament it was a foursome played from the tips i got to play with the one of the directors of the pga tour who has been playing since he was a kid he was a high school champion um actually he lost the championship in his high school played for byu and um he's been working for pga for shit, I don't know how long, but this fucking Zozo course was so fucking pristine. When we got there, there was at least in a thousand employees, you know, removing all the fucking, the tents and all the fucking chairs. And there was so much shit that I told you it cost 26 million to put this fucking thing on, right? It's fucking nuts. And by the way, guys, I was wrong about the purse. I don't know if they said the grand prize was 14 million. It, it was 14 million in prizes, amongst 75 players. I think the first place was like two or two and a half million, which was uh, to Bradley Keegan. But this course was fucking gorgeous. The only thing that sucked was the range was covered with a bunch of trucks and stuff. So I didn't get to practice. And it took an hour and fucking 40 minutes to get there. And I left my hotel at 7.40 and tea time was at 9.30. So no practice swing, nothing. I haven't swung in three days. I, this is not an excuse. This is just the truth. I'm a new golfer. You know, and I know I've played really well 
out of my last six rounds. But this was a whole different thing. You know, way over 7,000 yards. It was fucking long. They have gas-powered four-seater golf carts where you can hold four fucking golf bags. There's like pouches everywhere. There's areas for balls. There's a fucking navigation screen that gives you all the stuff. There's so much. And there's even crazier golf carts than this, but this is like, you know, this is a country club, like a pro course where the PGA plays. It's the only PGA course in fucking Asia that's a, that have a real PGA tour. Um, I'm sure Korea's got to be coming one soon. But the golf cart was insane. Just to be able to, it's so annoying when you're playing with like whatever. If you're playing a threesome, you know, whatever, and just, you can't go in the same cart. It's just so much easier this way. Sometimes you're playing with, you know, in foursome, yeah, it is easier for two people to go ahead and two people to whatever. But it was kind of annoying. The tips to the ladies' tees are like maybe 40 to 60 yard difference. The ladies' tees to the PGA tees are legit 100 yards easy. It was fucking nuts. And on the first tee, hole one, I hit the ball maybe like 220, 230 yards with my driver, which is not great, but it was dead straight on the fairway. And uh, I didn't feel like I cocked back far enough. And uh, I played the worst I ever played in my entire life. In 21 or 22 rounds of golf, I have never played this bad ever. They thought that I still played very good for, you know, how, but it was just really bad. It was fucking horrible. The dude who was a pro who was in my group I was maybe two strokes behind him on a lot, you know, and then I parred some holes. So if you take away, you know, some of the pars, he had beat me by like 16 strokes. And that's a shit ton. And I, and, and I remember there was a dude that was playing behind us. I'm sorry, ahead of us. And he shot a 131. Okay, this is a guy who works for the PGA Tour. Not saying he's a great golfer, but he's been playing for five, 10 years. He shot a 131. And after the seventh hole, I stopped taking score. Didn't even want to fucking know. It was that bad. But I got to give a big shout out to Corey Yoshimura. He was just fucking incredibly kind to even invite me. I can't imagine what the green fee was. Um, was super fucking expensive. I know Taylor made it taking care of it. But I played fucking horrible. Like a couple times I wanted to give up. I didn't have one out of 18 holes. I had three decent tee shots. No, I had five decent tee shots. But off the par threes, I had like maybe one. I took a mulligan on one hole because it was so fucking bad. And the field marshal was like, you know, did a ball go in the water? And I was like, nah, what are you talking about? So like, played fucking horrible. We went immediately to, you know, PGA style. Obviously, there's no fucking stopping. This is straight up, you know, legit PGA play. Um, there's no fucking touching the ball. There's no fucking, you know, you take a ball drop, you know, you take your strokes. And uh, obviously, someone's taking score. I wasn't because I didn't turn my card in. But on the back nine, I was able to fix a lot of things. And I thought that after three holes, I'd get warmed up. But I was like, you know, so fucking out of it. I had such an amazing fucking range session at Lotte. Um, I forgot what the fucking place was called. That Japanese insane fucking golf range. But it didn't take three holes. The greens were fucking super fast. I couldn't read them. They were, they were just getting me fucked up. It was weird. But, you know, there's no stopping at the turn. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, oh, let's get a food. Let's get this. There's no stopping. Like we're playing straight through PGA style. And on the back nine, I started striking the ball pretty serious. You know, there was a fucking 640-yard par five. It was fucking ridiculous. And I'd hit the ball really good on the tee shot. I, driver, I got in the rough and uh, actually ended up in between some trees. And uh, I had play where it lies, right? And I used my four iron and I knocked this shit. But the ball went like 250, 260. 
I knocked the shit out of this forearm off the dirt. It went through two trees with like maybe a five foot, six foot opening and it fucking hooked to the right. It was insane. Almost made a right turn. It was a dog leg uh, right hole and the ball went 180 yards off the dirt. It went like 110, 120 yards like straight and then it hooked to the right another fucking 70. It was insane. And it, obviously, you know, golf is a game of misses, whatever. It wasn't necessarily a miss. It was just, what the fuck could I do? I even hit my four iron against the tree on my backswing. Uh, I mean, on my downswing. You know, had some great fucking shots off the fairway. Had my hybrid go 200 plus, maybe even 220 on a couple shots that were fucking insanely just well hit, great contact. My three wood fucking off the deck, boom, off the fairway. 2 fucking 40, 250. It was insane. I was getting some good shots there. But my irons were a little bit off. And not the striking, but the aiming and just uh I wasn't necessarily I wasn't slicing. I wasn't shanking. That was a good thing. But the rough was fucked up. And I can't say it was the worst game and I think about it now because obviously I know how to play these areas better. But you know, the sand was the softest sand I've ever it felt like being in sand in fucking the Philippines, like being in Baraka. It was just super soft sand. But my putting kicked in, started knocking down 15, 16 foot putts, 10 foot putts, four foot putts. It was fucking uh, pretty good. I parred the last three holes. The last hole, the second to last hole they say the par four is the hardest hole in the course. I parred it, that made me feel good. In the last hole I parred, it was par five, 500 fucking 70 yards or something. And I parred that legit and that made me feel good. So at least, you know, going home and, and then in traffic, it was like fucking, I don't know, Again, probably two hours. And it was just, I was fucking exhausted. Like dead tired. When I got out of the car, I realized how hard, how much my legs hurt and all the jet lag had kicked in and I just felt crazy. But I got to give a shout out to PGA Tour Japan. Um, I have to give a shout out to the Zozo Championship. And uh, it was just fucking literally experience I will never forget in my entire life. I am ready to fucking crush some courses in LA. You know, I'm back home tomorrow and I just can't wait to see my family. I miss my kids. I can't wait. You know, my daughter's fucking dressing up as Sailor Moon for Halloween and Kaya's like super excited. And I'm just, I have some trips coming up like Vegas and a couple of spots in Seattle. I think I might cancel them. I just, I just, I don't know, man. It was great being here and I'm ready to go home. But I just, man, I don't know. It just, man, shit hit me different here. Um, before we go, there's a movie coming out called Megan. I think it's M3GAN. And uh, the movie's based upon this girl who loses her parents and she goes through a traumatic experience and, you know, she's just sad. So there's this AI robot named Megan that's a, a you know, like a project. And um, it's a, a fucking, like a, a Chucky meets Annabelle. It is the creepiest fucking thing and I cannot wait to watch this movie. I love scary movies. I didn't really see the release date. You guys can check it somewhere. But Megan, this doll, it's like this little rope kid's robot. It is fucking lit. This shit had me busting up. I know it's going to fucking be good. I know this movie's a smash hit. Ain't no way this movie's a dud. I cannot wait to watch it. Didn't really do too much TV watching or too much. I Pretty much only thing that was on here that I could watch was the Golf Channel. And thank God they had that in the hotel. But other than that, I didn't really get to watch shit else besides Lost in Translation. So if any new movies that I should be watching when I get back, Please send them on the comments or something like that on the Instagram page. Hit me on the super follower page, whatever it may be. But guys, uh, I will be at the Seahawks Chargers game at SoFi Stadium this Sunday. So if you want to come fuck with me, you want to come check me out. Um, holla at your boy if you see me. I don't know where my seats are yet. I know they're good seats. I know I got a suite too. 
But uh, I'll be roaming around SoFi. It is a big place, but it's all love. I got no hate for Chargers fans at all whatsoever. Again, sad about the fucking Dodgers situation. But yeah, man, Seahawks game this Sunday. Oh yeah, do not forget my Bosch sunglasses in both colorways dropped today at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Guys, they are not going to last, I'm telling you. So it's on you. Set an alarm or not and everything else. But we out of here, man. I appreciate every one of you guys. You have no idea how much I am so grateful for the people who listen to the show. And I realize that I have listeners all over the world and it's amazing. It's a humbling feeling. And um, please tell more people about the show. I, like I said, I, I wish I could announce this big other news that I got going on, but it's still you know under wraps. And uh, yo, I'll be back on Monday for the weekend wrap up. So, yo, much love from Tokyo, guys. If you come out here, you need some fucking suggestions, hit me on the super follower button and we can chat about it. Other than that, uh, I miss my bros, fucking, uh, you know, Miles and Jordan. And, you know, Miles just had his 40th birthday. So big shout out to him. Yo, we are out of here. That's my man, Lakey Lake. Much love, y'all. Peace be to be Army.